Hello and welcome to this new episode of From University to Unicorns, a podcast that investigates how Australia can turn great research into future tech giants. This podcast has been lovingly put together by Natasha Rawlings, Alex Romero and Ron Bourivet. It's sponsored by Uniseed, Australia's longest running investment fund that invests in early stage technologies coming out of their research partners. In this podcast, we went out and spoke to researchers, university leaders, business leaders, entrepreneurs, founders and government to find out what is stopping us from getting great research into the world and how we can do it better. Given that Australian universities undertake one third of our national research and development and employ 80,000 researchers, we ask what role university can play in research commercialization. We interviewed the Deputy Vice-Chancellor for Research for two major Australian universities. First, Professor Duncan Iveson, previously DVCL at the University of Sydney, and Professor Z. Upton, Deputy Vice-Chancellor Research and Innovation at the University of Newcastle. But let's start with you, Duncan. Who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Duncan Iverson. I'm the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Research at the University of Sydney. So look, at, at a very fundamental level, it, it, it's the mission of a university to both teach and educate the next generation of leaders and, 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 and citizens. And secondly, it's, it's, it's to pursue those fundamental questions and to pursue knowledge for its own sake. And, and to ask the hardest questions. And, you know, it's a truth-seeking <laughs> sort of activity. So the, the fundamental mission of the university is to teach and research. The two most important um, things that drive us are, first of all, doing the very best research we can possibly do. And, and, and we think of that in two ways, two really broad ways. One is just doing, you know, excellent research as judged by our peers in uh, our various disciplinary communities. Um, so we want to do excellent research. Um, we want to do research that's really going to contribute to uh, a better understanding of the world we live in, a better kind of understanding of the world around us. Um, and we want to do that in a way that is, um, you know, seen to be excellent by um, our disciplinary communities. The second area that we we pay a lot of attention to, and we we, we sort of uh, you know think about a lot, is the support we're able to generate for our research through research grants, uh, whether that's from uh, government funding agencies, whether that's from uh, philanthropy, whether that's from other interna international organizations. Um, so research income is another really key key KPI. Again, it's not valuable in itself. It's not about the money. It's more about it's a proxy for the quality of the research you're doing. And of course, it's an enabler for the research you're doing as well, because you can't do research without getting funding for um, the projects and the equipment and the people and the resources that you need to do um, great research. And mm -hmm. I guess the third area is, uh, you know, a KPI around the impact of your research. And that's an increasingly, uh, I think, exciting area. Is your research being used by people? Is it being a Is it being applied, if that's appropriate, in different contexts? Is it is it actually changing the way um, you know the world is in some way, or or changing the, a public debate, or changing a policy, or changing a, uh, the way in which uh, an organization works or not? Or is it you know saving people's lives, or or you know curing diabetes, or or building a quantum computer, or whatever that might be? So I think that third KPI incre is increasingly important for us which is how, how do we know our research is impactful? Well, um, you know, 
Uh, we can measure whether people are using it. We can measure the patents that we're generating, or we mm-hmm. can, again, we can use the proxy of of people investing in the ideas that we're generating by, you know, taking those ideas and turning them into products or turning them into um, things that um, industry and communities uh, actually want to use and, and put to work. There's two different components to research funding. It's important to get clear from the beginning. The direct costs of research and what we call the indirect costs of research. So the direct costs of research are the costs associated with the project that you're doing. So if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm doing a project on, say, trying to discover a new drug or or try and um, discover a new molecule or or I'm or I'm writing a book about an important historical figure or I'm trying to develop a, a new approach to to or, or a new methodology in, in the physical sciences i we have to fund those project costs that are directly involved the you know the the materials you need to do the project the time you spend in a in a synchrotron or or the uh, laboratory um, that you you work in but then we also have to find funding for the indirect costs right so the building that you're working in the electricity and the sort of you know sort of materials that you need to do the project, all the support services around you, the lab animal services, the libraries, um, the assistants, and the folks who are helping you support the the activity more generally, and then the university itself and all that the university provides to a researcher in terms of their career and their support staff and you know um, their colleagues. You've got to find a way to fund both of those aspects of your kind of research endeavors. And project funding is, is is what's provided through the government funding agencies and often through philanthropy or for industry partners. The indirect costs often aren't. In Australia, more often they aren't provided. So just to give you an example, at Sydney, for every dollar that we earn in project funding, we have to find another dollar fifty to support that project. So just think about that. So if we, you know, we generate roughly five, you know, about four hundred million dollars, between about half a billion dollars of research funding in in any given year, we've got to find, you know, another <laughs> billion dollars to support that, um, near close to a billion dollars to support that um, funding. So it's a real challenge, and um, you know, uh, it's for me the kind of structural challenge that um, Australia faces right now. Because although, for example, with industry partners, often industry partners are provide very generous funding and very generous support, it's not their job to fund the lights in the laboratory or to fund um, the sort of supporting services around of the research activity that's happening. They're funding the project. They're funding the work that's being done that uh, is of interest to them. So it's not something that's easily pluggable um, yeah. through through your partner's means. So what does that mean? What it means is we have to take um, money from other parts of the university's business, namely our teaching, education, philanthropy, and other services to cross-subsidize the research we do. And at a university like Sydney or Melbourne or you know, UQ or ANU, that's very significant. Um, in the order, as I said, of, of sometimes close to a billion dollars of additional funding we have to find to support research, which, of course, we're very willing to do because, you know, the research is important, um, but it's not really sustainable. Um, and that's that's one of the big challenges we, we, we face. Thank you, Duncan. And now to you, Z. Who are you and what do you do? 
I'm Zee Upton. I'm um, the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Research and Innovation at the University of Newcastle. Newcastle is yeah. a university that is of and for the region. You know, that is actually our, our motto, our byline, which yes. means that the university is critical to the region. Um, you know, it's uh, people know there's one university in the region. It's important for their industries. You just need to look at the Newcastle um Institute of Energy and Resources, so NIR, um, that has a very strong relationship in the past with mining, but increasingly in uh, other areas of diversification. If we end up being the hydrogen hub of Australia, well, then obviously that's going to be an opportunity. Uh, we're working closely in diversifying industries in the region. Uh, clearly, you know, there's food and agri-tech that we should be focusing on. There's uh, the Hunter New England uh, local health district is the largest in Australia. And so, again, the health industry employs the largest number of people in the region. So that's where the health tech technologies are really important and the digital technologies that enable you to deliver healthcare over distances in remote areas. And, uh, you know, really, if the university wasn't working well with the local industry, how do they transition the economy away from coal and towards uh, industries where there are good high value jobs? Is there a lot of pure research done or is it mainly applied, do you think, at um, Newcastle Uni? What, what's the mix? So the, the mix is um, changing over time. Um, you know, certainly we do very well in some areas such as the NHMRC. You know, just last week I think we had two of the awards for the emerging leaders actually were the University of Newcastle. And, and that was terrific. It was a nutritionist and also a, a public health researcher who was a nurse. And so I think it's fantastic, the diversity of that research. So in terms of competitive grants, you know, we get about 30% of our total income, oh, sorry, about 70% of our total income is non-industry, about 30% is industry and growing. Um, so, and, and we want it to grow. We actually do want to grow our industry research and that means you've got to have this sort of ongoing tension between are you driven by academic metrics and rankings yeah. and are you driven by impact and how do you measure impact? And so we all have ongoing discussions all the time here about how do you get that balance right? Mm. Um, and certainly there's that discussion paper that came out last week around the uh, way that herd C distribution is going to be used for allocating the research block grant and it will be 50% um, industry and uh, 50% from government's sources moving forwards. So that's obviously going to shape behaviours and certainly mm -hmm. it means we'll be accelerating our engagement with industry. You've got, you know, quite a, a broad um, background and, and like you said, a real focus on impact. What, what do you think you're going to try and um, change when you're at Newcastle Uni? What you need to do is, um, I guess, work on incentivising people to see how exciting it is to actually deliver impact. And so I sometimes think about Yes, isn't it wonderful if you can get a seller or a nature paper, but what would I really want? Do I really want the um, appreciation of my peers? Do I, want, do I want their acknowledgement or do I actually want to make a difference? And so I think you can make a difference if you focus on impact and impact can be about translating, you know, a, a policy into practice. It can be about making a widget or a gadget or it can be something around enabling social enterprise or social values. And that's what really gets me excited is those types of things rather than how many citations that I have. And I think that's sort of shaped the way that I approach this job. So I guess the, the thing that I think is really important is that when you engage with industry or with partners, it doesn't have to be industry, is really to go there and actively listen. I've been in many meetings where 
Um, you go to a meeting with industry partners and you pull your favourite protein or your widget or your gadget out, but you're not actually having the conversation about what is keeping that, that partner awake at light, what are the challenges that they're facing, what do they think would make a step change difference to their organisation. And if you can, you know, talk with them and co-create a project that helps meet that need. That's really exciting. And then you build teams that can actually help deliver that. Now, to me, that's what makes impact. And that's what I'm hoping uh, the researchers here will increasingly want to do. The last thing I really want to say is I think that we really have to think about what we're measuring and what success looks like. Because if we focus too much on one areas, and, you know, I know my university probably won't like me saying this, but, you know, focus too much on rankings, we may not be able to deliver the things that are really meaningful for the region. And so I think getting that balance right and deciding each university what its strengths are should be what we should focus on. And I would have to say that in um, Australia, it would be good if we stopped competing with each other. Yes. And we started working with each other because, you know, there's so many amazing universities with different um, strengths and we should be bringing those together um, and utilising the amazing resources that we have and just being a bit smarter about it all. So stop this competition, stop comparing ourselves. We're in a global environment. We've got to actually think globally and uh, act globally. Okay, Natasha, we just heard from Duncan and Z from two different universities. One is a big sandstone university in Sydney and one is a more regional university in Newcastle. What did you learn? Well, first of all, I was really glad to just interview a few universities that weren't the sandstones, um, you know, which Uniseed mainly works with um, because I think they're just so important to Australia's future. And we said right at the beginning when we were planning this podcast that we really wanted to follow the money and understand how that worked. And I think Duncan and Z did great jobs of sort of explaining that to people because, again, when you come from the outside, you don't really understand it. So there's a couple of themes that really struck me. Um, and then these are just, I guess, um, observations that I've made uh, during during my time at Uniseed. So one was that, um, you know, Duncan mentioned that researchers have to put their research up for peer review. And it's always sort of, um, I've always thought that researchers are a little bit like Olympic swimmers. <laughs> it's very competitive. Yes. They, um, a lot of them hate each other, right, because they're competing for money and if they're in the same department, they're competing for positions and we know that there's not many positions available at the top of the tree, right? Yep. Uh, and so that. I guess perhaps even that lack of collaboration mm. that happens in departments spreads out to different um, different faculties within the universities and then actually between the universities themselves. And so I think that competition is not terrific and it does stand in the way of innovation because we are really small. If we're going to compete on a world stage like Z mentioned, I think we've got to work together. And so I don't know what you think about that being an academic, but that's my outside looking in this, critic. This is interesting. And I think a lot of um, what Duncan talked about I, uh, and Z talked about incentives as well. And I think a lot of our incentives in the academia and research are for individuals. They're not for teams or collaborative um, you know, departments. You succeed because you've got a grant or, or a paper as an, as an author or as a leader, it's it's a very individual 
view of things that maybe doesn't promote collaboration, even though a lot of the work, research work needs to be, um, cannot be achieved just by one person. But maybe the credit then, you know, is given to individuals and not teams. And not teams. Enough, yeah. yeah. So it's research is not a team mm-hmm. sport. It's not. <laughs> it's not. Um, I will say, though, that the new Trailblazer program, uh, which, you know, to get those those big blocks of money from the government mean that two universities have to tee up um, with industry to become sort of a centre of excellence for space or food or whatever it's been has actually... I have heard from um, people uh, in those top ranks of universities saying, it's been so fantastic working with that other university. I don't know why we did it, you know, didn't do it before. And so these incentives that our government are, you know, um, are putting out there now for actually this type of collaboration is really terrific to see. And, you know, it might actually change things. So let's, let's wait and see. And I think this also goes, what, what are the drivers? So are the drivers to get publications? And again, that will reward mm. an individual or yep. a small team or are the drivers to create impact? And that's going to reward much more collaborative work, big teams, collaborations between universities or universities and businesses, et cetera, and government. Um, so yeah, interesting. It's interesting. And just a little bit more on, on incentives. I was actually trying to put myself in an academic's shoes when Z was talking and I thought, you know, when I when I started my career, you know, I really aimed to be marketing director, right? I started off as marketing coordinator and worked my way up. And success had a very different, mm. you know, had a very specific look and feel for me. I'm just wondering with a lot of researchers, you know, they have a very fixed view of success. It's, you know, it's about publish or perish. It's about getting those fantastic accolades from your peers, not only here, but from around the world. I wonder if you're not quite celebrated in the same way, whether it has the same ring of success for you. And I think that will have to change perhaps over time. So you know what? We're talking about this in the culture episode. Yeah. Um, How do we reward uh, academics or researchers who do commercialise their research and have an impact? What are the um, measures there that we can integrate? So stay tuned. Okay, awesome. Okay. So what are some other themes? Um, so we've talked about the money, we've talked about uh, incentives. Um, I, I just wanted to say something more about the money because I think it's it's really important to understand that, uh, you know, really research is a cost centre. It's a money pit for mm. universities, right? Mm. Um, it, it most of the time doesn't make them money. It doesn't cover the cost for patents. Uh, it doesn't cover the cost for doing the work. But what it does do is give the university a ranking. And that ranking is really important for getting students in. And staff. And staff. Yeah. You're right. So you attract really great staff because they want to be, you know, birds of a feather mm-hmm. flock together. Mm-hmm. They want to be with the best. Mm-hmm. The other side of it is they attract students Mm. and student fees, especially in this country, Mm. foreign student Mm. um, fees, which are, you know, in the tens of thousands Mm. of dollars every year. And and so I didn't really understand why government did all of this funding of grants for pure research when it wasn't going Mm. to impact. Now I understand that when you get these grants, it leads to research that then goes to rankings that then goes to student fees. And so in some ways by government funding, um, 
you know, pure research grants. What they're really funding is, um, in a lot of ways, the foreign student <laughs> incomes, which are, you know, upwards of, or were before the pandemic $5 billion mm. a year and, yeah. and probably more because of all of the, you know, the money that those students bring into the economy and, and spend on other mm. things like food and entertainment. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. What what you, were your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's interesting to have this real, right? So more um, research would bring papers, would bring grants, would bring better reputation, better ranking, better staff, better students, better teaching, um, therefore better research, etc. And the, the wheel keeps turning. Yeah. So that's, that's very interesting to, and very important to understand how universities work so that you can work with them and if you want to change commercialization like you're trying to get people to come out of that wheel and yeah. do something different for which they're not necessarily incentivized yeah yeah so definitely the incentives need to be right yeah uh to to change this and then finally you know the great thing about having duncan uh and z chat is you know, what you really hear um, from Z is a focus on her local area. Now, we know that she came from a small country town in South Australia, and so she's always been interested in community and, and community working together as well. But, you know, she looks at what are the main needs of her local area, and that is where research is directed and you know, even where some of the um, industry collaborations and industry funds are gained from, like 30%, mm. I think is quite mm. a big number for a university, but it shows you how a smaller mm. university has to survive and fund research compared to, you know, one of the biggest universities in Australia. Listen. I mean, we've heard that a few times, but oh, she's yeah. got to listen to the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and listen, listen especially to... Uh, what potential cu potential yes. customers and their problems, and yes. that theme yeah. of listening comes out again and again, yeah. especially for researchers. And you know, I used to do this chat um, quite often at universities called "What Does." Uh, I, I felt like I was just vomiting it out in the end. I'd said it so many times, but you know, what what do investors look for? And one of the first slides I always had was please listen, please don't yes. tell me about your research for an hour yes. before I can ask about what problem you're solving. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Awesome. Thank you, Natasha. Thanks, Rom. Thank you everyone for listening to From University to Unicorns. There are many solutions that we do discuss in this podcast, but there's many that none of us have even thought about. We'd really love to keep this important discussion going by getting your thoughts and comments on our LinkedIn page from University to Unicorns. Thanks so much.